You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Philip Sutcliffe Sr. Philip is a former boxer who represented Ireland at the 1980 and 1984 Olympic Games. He is the winner of four national titles in Ireland, as well as bronze medals in two successive European Amateur Boxing Championships. In 1992, he and two friends, Paddy Whelan and Gary Griffin, took over the derelict Crumlin Boxing Club. Today, that club has produced over 30 champions at local, national and Olympic level, and is notable as the club where Conor McGregor trained through his teenage years. Philip is a coach with a strong vocation to improve the lives of people through teaching them about discipline, self-respect and belief through the sport of boxing. He believes in learning every day in the pursuit of trying to be better and in the merits of keeping on despite setbacks so that you develop and grow. And in this conversation, he talks about boxers who have risen to champion level through employing this approach to life. Philip is the type of coach who raises your expectations and then holds that line and encourages you towards it. Some of the key highlights for me were his view on the role that self-belief plays in helping the boxer as they walk to the ring for their fight and the big difference a coach can make on that walk. The importance of physical and mental toughness in order to be able to move up the grades in boxing, 
and how he goes about developing strength in these areas for his fighters, and the stories he shares about three of the greats that he has helped train. Katie Taylor, the two-time world champion and current undisputed lightweight champion, world champion Michael Conlon, and ultimate fighting champion Conor McGregor. I love this interview. There is just something in the way that boxing coaches approach life that connects with me very deeply, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. The Great Coaches Podcast. Mr. Philip Sutcliffe Sr., good afternoon and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be out to do the interview. I want to start with a really simple question, Philip. Can you just tell us where you are in the world today and what you've been up to so far? Well, at the moment, I'm in Portran, Donna Bay, just beside Portran. It's a beautiful place, um, just outside the Dublin suburbs, in a place called the Shoreline Hotel. You're only allowed 15 people in a, a specific area. Now, this has a little bit of more than a, a specific area. We have about 25 tables, well spaced apart. Some of the older people have a point. A lot of people are just having lunch. I'm out there with my daughter and my wife um, having lunch. And we brought the dog for a walk on the beautiful beach out here in Donabate. Well, I appreciate you taking some time away from the beach to talk to me. I'll try and make this discussion entertaining. Okay, no problem. Philip, you were an Olympian yourself. You went to two Olympics, 1980 and 1984, as well as many European championships. But you've also been around some great coaches like John Kavanagh and Billy Walsh, just to name a couple. But from this perspective, what is it you think that the great coaches do differently? We keep on learning. Did you hear that? I heard it. Yeah, we keep on learning. All coaches, all great coaches must keep on learning. And you learn every day. You learn from the children that you teach. You learn from the adults that are around you. You learn from different mistakes you make. You make things better. I've been very successful as a coach. I've been involved in Olympics, Europeans. I've also boxed in Olympics and Europeans. I've also been involved with boxers and gold medals. My group, Paul Griffin, European gold medalist and European bronze medalist and Michael Crew world bronze medalist. I've also been in with Glenn Stevens, who's a fantastic boxer. My own brother that won eight Irish titles. My, my four brothers that won Irish titles. I've been involved in boxing since I was 10 years of age. And the only real rest I got was when COVID came along. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your family, actually, because you come from this great boxing tradition. These wonderful people that have gone on and won titles and for many, many years. What elements of that upbringing from your family are present in your own coaching philosophy? Hard work and dedication, basically. And if you don't do it the first time, try again and never give up. And try and try and achieve more than your achievements. Keep on going. Sky is the limit. Now, I'm getting a bit old now, um, probably a little bit laid back, but I still have those achievements and the achievements I want to make. We have a great club in Crumlin Boxing Club. We're one of the most successful clubs here in Ireland. Um, we produce Irish champions every single year, except for this year because of the COVID, because our national championship would be on. And around, and we would have done well. We had a few kids in the semi-finals, with a few youths in the finals, but uh, everything got shut down because of this so-called coronavirus. I wanted to talk to you about the Crumlin Boxing Club because that's where you're head coach today. But back in 1992, it was derelict. And you and your friends, Paddy Whelan and Gary Griffin, resurrected it. Flash forward to 2015, you've produced 30 champions that I could count <laughs> at a local or a national level. You've won the best boxing club in Ireland. And I just wanted to ask you, when you started in 1992, what were you setting out to try and achieve? 
I was going to try and achieve something that Trimna had already achieved with myself and have the same outlook as the coaches that trained me. Um, in the Drimna Boxing Club with Joe Bean, we had the famous Mick Dowling. We also had, when I packed up coaching and I came back boxing, I had Austin Carute, right, who, who was a very knowledgeable coach. He did a great job with me, very fair. He did a good job with some of the boxers and he did a fantastic job with his own sons. Philip, I've seen a great photo of you as a young man meeting Muhammad Ali. And I've read where you said that there was something very special about him. Could you tell us about that experience? We went on a tour we were boxing over in America and we were all so proud to meet him and as Angelo Dundee was Angelo Dundee um, who coached him was it? Yeah, it was. He had about 12 yeah. log cabins in his training camp. One for everything and he do a boxing gym just two speed balls and one punch bag and a fantastic 20 by 20 ring and he gave us an entertaining day out but then after we posed for a few photographs but he was sitting down on the chair and he says yeah, you two leprechauns you Irish leprechauns come over and sit on my lap and I, I got offended I was only 19 18, 19 at the time and I was well who the fuck does he think he's calling the leprechaun <laughs> but he was a joint of a man right now I'm a bigger man but at the time when you meet your hero and then I told him to F off and I said uh, I'm not sitting on your lap I know leprechaun he got a little bit upset, a little bit, for his one or two seconds. But in his own time, he just turned around and said, ah, come on over. You just you just gave me a hug. That's why I didn't look at him. I was still a bit upset. <laughs> it's a great photo. It's a great photo. I wish he was around to sit on his lap now because he was my hero. At that time, he was such an amazing boxer to come back from the brink of nothing after being beaten and to take on a force like George Foreman and to do what he did to George. The only time I bet against him in a bet, I, I bet against him and George. I thought George Foreman was going to be too physically strong for him. My God, didn't he do a fantastic job? Who are your other mentors or inspirations as a coach? As a coach, one man I learned an awful lot from, and he wanted to take me over, was a guy called Laszlo Pap from Hungary. I used to watch him. I went to Hungary twice. And he used to send letters over, and someone used to translate them for me. He wanted me to come over, and he wanted to train. But I was only 17, 18 years at the time, and I was still a homeward even today. He's seen something in me, but i seen something in Lazlo Pap's train. The way the gym stood still when he went in and the way everybody, you could drop a pin when he's given instructions. I didn't speak Hungarian, he spoke Hungarian. But I watched him in the gym and he was training. It was some sort of an academy he had for the boxing, but there was other academies around. But I look up to him so much. I think he won two gold medals in the Olympics. He went to America. He had a hard look story because he wouldn't let his family travel over. But he was a phenomenal Lazlo Pap. No, he was one of my heroes. And then the man that turned me over from being just a mediocre amateur boxer to a senior elite boxer would be Mick Dowling. He was one of my mentors and he is such a fantastic coach. On a one-to-one basis, he'd bring you very, very far. But the man that really started me off when I was 10 was a guy called Joe Bean. He had, a, he had such a way with kids and with adults. He was precise, he was friendly, he was fair, he was all, He was always on the ball. He never seemed to lose his head if you got the shot wrong. He was just great. So Joe Bean, Mick Dowling, Laszlo, Pap, they would be some of the coaches that I would have looked up to. Most of my experience came from learning was by watching kids and watching kids bringing things home and watching other fighters throw shots. And I seen a shot that would work and we have a Russian, we have a Rigando, we have... We have all different types of shots we have on the chain. Our club has our own little shots. It kind of makes Crumlin special. It makes Crumlin special in Ireland because everywhere we go, what does this shot do? What does that shot do? Most of these shots were brought home by my brothers, my good boxers, because they used to say, don't bring me home a t-shirt, bring me home a punch. 
so I can do something with it. And that's where I've been learning and still learning. I'm still watching all our years. We're, we're going since 1992, but I was in Drimna before that for 22 years. I'm around the block a bit, but I'm still learning. I'm still watching and still trying to pick up things. And we have a crew of coaches in our club. We, our club is very special. Our club is a family club. People come to mingle. We've gone on boxing trips every single year. When we go on a boxing trip to Spain, we're like to be only 15 of us, and all, all of a sudden there's 60 and there's 70. Mammies, daddies, do you all want to come and be part of something special? What about this crumbling punch? Can you tell me what it is and how you go about coaching it? The crumbling punch, there's a few of them. We have the Sugar A, which Sugar A did. It's a combination of five very fast shots taken on a surprise of your opponent. He doesn't know what's coming and all of a sudden you could win a fight. The fight could be very, very close. And the last five or six punches could change the, the judge's decision. And it's one of so many titles, the Sugar A. If you were going to teach me, if I wandered into the gym tomorrow and I said, Philip Sutcliffe, can you teach me the Krumla punch? How would you break it down for me? I can break down the sugar egg. But first of all, if you come in the gym tomorrow to teach boxing, we'd learn you how to stand, how to balance, how to throw a punch. We wouldn't teach you straight away sugar egg. We'd get your hand up, your elbows in, your chin down, step forward, step to the side, step back. We'd learn you all those fundamentals first before you'd move on to the sugar egg, the rig and dough, the Russian. But if I had to teach you the sugar A, your opponent would be just coming in at you or going away from you. If he's coming in to attack and he's not expecting another attack, a counterattack from his opponent. But it's very, very fast. You lead with your backhand force. You bring your front leg forward, carry it forward with your back leg. Very, very five punches, very, very fast. Like Sugar Ray did when he opened up, he was nice and thing. And then he'd open up a five, six, seven punches. But ours is a five punch combination. Right, left, right, left, right. And it's a bump, 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 bump. And it's a surprise combination. Like if you were coming to attack and you're feeling safe and all of a sudden you, someone counters attack you. Or if you're happy just jabbing in a nice mode, moving around the ring and all of a sudden someone rushes forward with five punches straight away. That's what we would teach you. But it would be taught slowly until you get your punches back, right? We would tell you when to throw it, when not to be able to throw it. Things like that. That's what if you were coming into the club. Ireland has such a deep and successful history of boxing 16 of its 31 Olympic medals have been in boxing. What is it about the Irish spirit and culture that just makes them so good at boxing? Well, I'd say basically it's their will to win. It's a minority sport in over here. It's a poor man sport. Um, it's very easy to get involved with. There's no big subscription to get involved. As I say, it's a poor man sport. It's a minority sport in Ireland. Um, years ago, your parents wouldn't have had too much money to let you join a boxing club. It would have been very cheap to join a boxing club and your equipment was mostly supplied by the club. Boxers would have felt happy. That, and their mammies and daddies would have felt happy sending their children there. But for kids to be... And it was basically in very poor areas that where boxing clubs were, basically. You don't find boxing clubs in Prague or you would not be finding them in an area where there's deprivation, there's not much going on, a lot of unemployment and people would join a boxing club and it's nice to be tough, it's nice to be able to stand up for yourself on the street and no one's going to pick on you and basically that's why mummies and daddies would say like nowadays you have children coming in from school and the mummy wants to say I want to toughen them up there's a lot of soft people in boxing but a lot of soft people will be capable of handling themselves, there's very few bullies in boxing, it's a sport you go out of your way to, to stay away from a fight rather than get into a fight there's a lot of gentlemen. I know the ladies. The ladies are taking over to the girls. We have some fantastic girls in Ireland. We have Katie Taylor coming to our club since she's only nine or ten. My son boxed her. Gave Katie her first fights. 
my son boxer Patrick Brady, one of our Crumlin coaches, um, his son boxed him, and another one of our other boxers. We had to tell her leave on the head guard. Don't show you're a girl, because she was exceptional. She was a talent from a baby. Everything that she gets, she deserves. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, that gold medal that she's got was an amazing moment to watch her win that fight. I was over there. We were all over there. There was about 40 from our club over there. How was it? I mean, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, the magic was there. It was a very close fight, but she did deserve it. Very, very close. The Russian really gave her help. But it was good, good tactic with her father and the other coach, Ezor Atli. Um, it was great. I won't say equally as good as Michael Crute winning the gold because Michael was one of my own little boys. You know what I mean? When I trained him, but it was a fantastic achievement. When Michael won the gold medal, it was it was just I just rode started rolling by. The emotion just came out. I just couldn't stop. Just so happy. One of our own boys, one of the Rimna boys at the time, it was great. There's another one of your boxes that a few people might have heard of. Let me just see if I pronounce his name correctly. Connor McGregor, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Connor came in as a child. Connor came in at ten years of age. He came in in his football boots. One of our coaches, Stephen Cavanagh, said, You have to get them off so you're not allowed on the floor with them boots. I just want to hit the bags, he said. I said, You can't get the boots off. So he started hitting one of the bags. And I think his mother and his father, I'm not so sure. I think it was his mother in the train. Now that was for the football. He played for one of the junior clubs playing in Crumlin. He just walked in the door one one evening and I think it was a bright evening and he came in and he started punching the bags and he said, I want to join and and they sent them over to me and I said, well, you can't join. You have to have one of your parents with you. Whatever days the parents come down, they joined up and signed the papers, blah, blah, blah. And then he stayed till he was about very good, technically very good. He practiced, he practiced and practiced and practiced. He started messing around with mixed martial arts when he was about 15, 16 years of age. And I was kind of giving him a bit of stick over that. Looking back at that now, like, you see, I, I wanted, like, I, at that time, I was just a, a boxing man and that was it. You know what I mean? I wasn't never mad into martial arts. He stayed with us. He had a good few fights. And now he's back with us again. He's training there. Now, I know he's away in Monaco. And they're all saying strange, horrible things. But uh, the things, he's a gentleman. He's very good to our club. He's very good to his football club. And he's still helping out. And I walked him there for his last fight. And I walked him for about eight months. What a trainer. He is so dedicated to what he does. If some of my fighters, some of my boxers were as dedicated as him, the, the art that he puts in and the beauty of it, he's never forgot the Russian, the Sugar Ray, the Rigando from those days. And it's fantastic that he still knew them. He came back in the gym. And after three weeks in the gym, you think he'd never left it. And he brought all his shots into the octagon and, and you have to remember, in the octagon, most of his wins were from punches. Most of his boxing skill was from the footwork he learned in the Crumlin Boxing Club. 
And in fairness now, he says in all his interviews, someone asks him about his boxing skills and he always brings back the Cumberland Boxing Club and his coach, Phil Sutliff, Patrick Brady. You're being a bit modest here. I've got the quote right in front of me. It says, Phil Sutcliffe is a phenomenal boxing coach and my time under Phil in Crumbland Boxing Club, I learned so many fundamentals that I still carry with me today. That's a great endorsement. Philip, congratulations on having an athlete so many years later remember you but also reference that. But I actually wanted to ask you, what are the fundamentals that a boxer needs to master if they're going to become elite? What steps them up into that next group? You could say balls, force, or heart. (laughs) Because when you move up the grades, you have to be tough physically and mentally. The fundamentals would be your stance, your balance on the way you throw a punch. You have people with power. You have people with no power that still carry power once they're the fundamentals are properly taught. My own son was one of the hardest punchers that ever came out coming in boxing club. And young Crosby, another good puncher to come out coming in boxing club. And McGregor has a backhand that really, really hurts and it's shown in the octagon. It's shown even when he fought Floyd Mayweather. Everyone thought it was a joke, but in the joke, as one people would say, Conor McGregor hit Floyd Mayweather with more punches than any other fighter. They ever fought hit in the shortest of rounds. And then Connor told me afterwards, like he wasn't trying to put too much power into them shots because it was going to be the first time he did, I think it was 10 or 12 rounds. So he wanted to keep, and I said, that was the wrong tactics. But then he didn't use me for that camp. And he was so sorry that he didn't use me for that camp. But he had so many people around him telling him things. And when he got back, when he got his feet on the ground, and I think he has his feet on the ground. When he's in crumbling, he has his feet on the ground. He's still a boxer. He's still a fighter in the gym. He still had to do what he's told. He still had to carry out those fundamentals that you're speaking of. He still had to do the time and he still had to do everything that's part and partial of our boxing club. And it's written on the wall and we've had coaches, we have to take it off because there's coaches coming from all over the world taking photographs of their fundamental punches on the wall and they're taking them and they're bringing them away with them. But they can have photographs and if you don't know how to teach them and correctly do them with your fires, it's all the one with any photograph. Every club and lots of good coaches have great, great boxers. But a great coach brings someone from the beginning to the very top. And that's a great coach from the juvenile, stay with him and bring him all the way up. And then when the time is right for your fight, and a good coach will know this, then take him up the next step. Some coaches push their boxes up too early and some way too late. And the magic is getting the right button in the middle. Just to, now it's the time. And then you need that element of luck. You need the time and the place and the, wherever it goes, like you need the competition. And you need to spare the parts. That's the bit of look that you can have at that particular time. But it's when you pushed up the element of a good coach. I want to talk to you a little bit about, you said there they need to be tough, they need to be hard. But that walk from the changing rooms to the ring, there must be a moment when nerves are very high, really high. Is there a way or a routine or a method that you use to help people control their nerves? Yes, yes. There's a method and it's learned over the years. Every fighter... I've seen some fighters, I've been with some fighters over the years, and I've learned from a lot of most of them just concentrating on what they've done. Believe in themselves. If you don't believe in yourselves, making that walk could lose you to fight. Making that walk could get in on top of you. I have seen fighters there so good in the gym, so strong in the gym. And then when they get into the ring after making that small walk, it doesn't matter if it's from the dressing room in your boxing club or the dressing club in Madison Square Garden. Some of them just lose the edge and it's very, very hard to get it back, especially if you don't start right. If you don't start right. But as you said, 
the walk is very, very important. And the coach in his ear, walking that walk is very important too. And if he trusts the coach in his ear, telling him the things that he knows, and only a coach will know this, telling him the things he knows that the boxer can do, that makes a big difference. And Philip, there's this other element of boxing. You talked about before, you know, boxing being gentlemen, but you are teaching them a combat sport, how to be tough and be aggressive. And I guess your role as a coach has to be to help them not taking that aggression into their daily life, to help them find that line. Is that true? Is that part of coaching or is it more of the individual? Any coach works at salt, you'd be like a social worker, especially these days with so many children. The amount of children that's on antidepressants under 11 years of age, even in this country, it's terrible. The amount of drugs that's being pushed on young adults, apart from the social drugs, the amount of drugs people dealing with life in our schools they took, I'm not saying to hit children, but children have to learn discipline from growing up. And basically come from your house. They don't see discipline in your house. What's your play at? Simple things. Pull a hang with your coat. Put your school bag away. Did you do your homework? You need to do your chores this week. Did you put out the bins? Little things like that come into effect. Lives. That's the discipline. And then it goes to school. It makes it easier for a teacher to teach. If there's someone sitting there and wants to learn, who wants to learn? Either English, French, maths, German, any subject. If they want to learn, it makes it easier for the teacher. But because of all these children have A, B, C and D, C, H, they're on this drug for this and that drug for that. Like instead of trying to sort her out, now I'm not going to be the man to sort her out. But when they come to the gym, if they want to be in, most boxing gyms have rules. And if they don't stick to the rules and they want to stay boxing, if they don't stick to them rules, they're out the door. And it's a hard lesson. Fathers, straight, take their phones off them because they're on it too late at night, TikToking or whatever they're doing. Well, if you tell like, some of the kids, you're not going to the boxing club, the discipline is kids want to be in the gym. They want to be out there in a strict environment. The boxing gym is a strict environment, but it's a fair, fair, friendly environment. It's a firm, fair, friendly environment that they can mix with other kids. They want the same thing. They're not all going to be champions. We know that. There's very few Conor McGregor, Phil Sutcliffe's, uh, Glenn Stevens, Mark Sutcliffe's, John Kinsley's, Jimmy Upton's. We've had all them champions that we have, Corny Daly, Seven Metcalf. There's very few kids that want to stay and, and want to put in that discipline. Because for a kid to be any good, he has to put that extra work in. Because the sport is so hard. Air sport is so hard. I call it the hardest sport in the world. And I played a lot of sports. Bowling, Gaelic, soccer, table tennis, basketball. But to be a boxer, you get a smack while you're learning. You actually get a punch in the face while you're still learning. And you say that to somebody, well, you're still getting a punch. Now, I trained rugby players. They could walk through you. But when they're getting a smack in the face every few seconds, it's a different sport. It's a hard sport. It's a good sport. It's not for everybody. But boxing is a disciplinary sport. If you have a gym that just wants to teach the, the art of physical culture, the art of boxing, the boxing gyms, they should be open in every school in the country. And it'll make teaching easy for the teachers. But as I said, teaching comes from the home. And that's where teaching comes from. Philip, I've got this great quote from you. I've got another one here that I found when I was preparing to chat with you. And you're talking about your gym and you say, we're always in the growing process. We always want to be better for the kids and continue to produce champions. And it made me want to ask you, 
have you got a coaching mission? Because it sounds to me like it's more a vocation. It's more like a lifestyle choice that you're pursuing to make the world better and to teach discipline. But can you put into words what your coaching mission is? To make my other Kremlin coaches better than any other coaches, to make them have the discipline to stay on. We're all doing it for free. None of us make any money out of this. Like this, my life was in the army. I was, I'm retired. We do it on a free basis. We turn up out of our own households, morning, noon, and night, Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoons, just to take some kids that can be very special to make the boxing world special. But it's not only me. There's so many good coaches and out there, coaches all over this country. And I'm talking about Ireland, but I'm talking about Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales. And when I speak to good coaches, we're special because we do it. But it's the people that want to. I want to make my coaches better than all of them. And we're doing a good job. <laughs> and it's a bit of friendly competition. And the friendliness of it is that we get on with each other. We go for a beer with each other. And they'll slag my rig and dog, my Russian or my thing. And like I wouldn't slag back because when they're slagging it, they know it. And they're a little bit envious. I won't say jealous, but envious because we're all good friends. I'm not sure if this is a fair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You say you're getting old, but you've still got a lot of coaching ahead of you. At least that's the sense I get from talking to you. You have so much energy, and I've watched videos of you in the ring, and you don't seem to be slowing down. But what's the legacy that you believe you've left so far as a coach? Respect. Respect for your pupils, respect for fellow coaches, respect for your organisation. I know you have someone else in my organisation. Let me tell you, I'm on the board, and I'm also vice president of Dublin, but I still want to give something back but it's always forcing fundamentally for the children to make them enjoy as much as I've enjoyed and I've given up and lost I'm on my tour relationship now <laughs> so we can't say much my wife was over there you've given some of your time and not every woman wants you out of your house seven days a week but that's what you have to do if you want to produce and you want to stay on top of your fires to make sure that they will not make your legacy, but it is nice to have a legacy. The legacy myself and Patrick Brady and all you other coaches will be leaving will be the Crumlin Boxing Club legacy. We have a gym there. It's like an archives. And like you have to be have kids there now that I have coaches that their kids are fighting for me and they're still daddies are coaching for me. And they, all them coaches box for me. It's carrying on the way we want it. It's carrying on the way we have me in tears. <laughs> I'm sorry. Philip, you've almost got me in tears too. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I can see you're in the beautiful spot part of the world and you took the time out to chat with me and I do appreciate it. I hope, wish you all the best getting the club back up and running again and getting out of COVID and I look forward to seeing you one day in the club and coming in and looking at it. I've seen pictures of it and it looks like a museum. It looks like a wonderful archive and I hope to get there one day. It's good. And as you said, it's good that Conor McGregor come back and looked after and starting to look after us now and making sure like any of our other fighters, we have another other fighters that are very rich too. Conor's the one that stepped up to the mark and he and he's helping out buying the kids' tracksuits and doing little bits and he's getting his new extension and that is good. Like we've nothing but good to say about him and our other fighters and now the mammies and daddies. Like we have a lot of girls now in the club. We've Courtney Daly, she's nine times Irish champion. We've some very, very good girls in our club. I think we've nine Irish girls no, seven Irish girl champions. So we're starting to take place. And years ago I wouldn't even let my daughter box because I didn't believe girls should be boxed. So that's the way it is. But now it's a different the world has changed. The world has changed. And the Cumberland Boxing Club will change with for the better. And it's been good to talk to you. Thank you, Philip Sutcliffe. It's been lovely to meet you. Take care.
Hi everyone, it's Paul here, and you have been listening to the great coach, Philip Sutcliffe Sr. Some of the key highlights for me were the time Muhammad Ali asked him to sit on his knee, and he said no. The way he talks about boxing being a sport that is not dominated by bullies, but is instead something that helps people build belief and confidence. His description of the punches that are unique to his club, and how he trains his boxers to be able to execute them no matter the situation and his unending mission to get better and learn and improve so that he can set the best example possible for the boxing club that he helped found in 1992. And just before we go, if you are one of the many people who listens to our podcast regularly and you have any feedback, an element of leadership that you would like us to explore or know a great coach that you think we should interview, then please let us know. You can contact us using the details in the show notes.